A reading from the book of the prophet Zephaniah. Shout for joy, O daughter Zion. Sing joyfully, O Israel. Be glad and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You have no further misfortune to fear. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Be not discouraged. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you, as one sings at festivals. The word of the Lord. Exalt, you just, in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With a ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. Sing to him a new song. Pluck the strings skillfully with shouts of gladness. For the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. Bless the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. For in him our hearts rejoice, in his holy name we trust. Dominus Fabescum, et cum spiritu tuo, Lexia Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucam, Gloria Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, 
And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Verbum Domini. Today, in this last week of Advent, we have these readings of the proximate preparation for the birth of our Lord, very concrete. <clears throat> We're still not in Christmas yet, but we have this great anticipation here. And today, in the readings, we have all this shouting, the first reading from Zephaniah, this call to Israel to shout for joy, O daughter Zion, Israel. Sing joyfully, O Israel. Be glad and exult. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty Savior will rejoice over you with gladness. That's the source of our joy that God, these prophecies of a coming Messiah fulfilled now in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, you know, the presence of the Lord being in our midst. And the shouting that we see in the, in the, uh, the gospel today is a parallel to the Ark of the Covenant. Mary is the new Ark. She's bringing Jesus, the presence of God in the incarnation through the Word becoming flesh is in her. And so there's all this shouting. In fact, uh, even the word used here in Luke's gospel <clears throat> is only, it's the only time in the New Testament where Elizabeth you know, cries out in a loud voice. It's used five times in the Old Testament, but it's always around the priesthood and the ark. The ark was first in this hill country of Judah. You know, it's just outside of what would eventually become a Jerusalem in the Old Testament, but the ark was there, and then David moves it to Jerusalem. And there's these parallels between Mary and the ark. You know, that she she is set out for this hill country. You know, David leaps and dances before the ark. We see John the Baptist leaping in Elizabeth's womb. You know, as I mentioned, the hill country, the shouting, and it's all a sign of God's presence in the ark. Now, this is brought to an unbelievable fulfillment where in the Old Testament, you know, the ark, the temple where it's kept is considered like the footstool of God, a place of his presence, the cloud of glory descends on it at different times. But now in a new extraordinary way, in the new covenant, we have the incarnation. God becomes man, you know, fully God, fully man, you know, in the person of the word in Jesus Christ. And we also see this type and fulfillment in Our Lady, that there's parallels between Our Lady and the Church. And today in the visitation, we see that she's a special 
eloquent symbolism of the church as an evangelizer. Mary's the first evangelizer. The church is sent into the world. That's her mission, to evangelize, to bring about faith, to proclaim the gospel. So Mary is a type or symbol of the church, and therefore everything that we find in the gospel about Mary can be understood in a proper sense uh, in the mystery of the church. The true, she is the true Eve. She's the true mother of all the living, the true beginning of a new humanity, a redeemed humanity in Christ. The liturgy uses the phrase that what began in Mary in the flesh and the spirit is fulfilled in the church. So these great mysteries of Christ's life are repeated in the church, that he is born in us. And with labor pains, you know, with suffering and trials and difficulties in the cross, but that new life is born in us. That as Mary is ever virgin, we've had the readings of her Annunciation, where she questions, you know, the manner of how this conception is to take place, because she intends to remain a virgin. And she preserves that because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that overshadows her. So it's a virginal conception, and the church teaches a virginal birth. She never loses that virginity. And this is a sign of the church. The fathers, church fathers, saw that the church is virginal and that she preserves intact her faith in Christ, believing that this is God's work, the incarnation. He's come to save us and all you know, all that that entails, belief that Jesus is truly the Son of God, all that he did and taught is redemptive. So Mary is the first evangelizer bringing this good news of the incarnation of the Christ being conceived in her. And she, as we see, gives the Holy Spirit in a sense that the Holy Spirit is poured upon Elizabeth, and John, John leaps in the womb. That's an image of David leaping before the ark. But again, Mary, the, over, the Holy Spirit overshadows her at the Annunciation, and then at Pentecost, overshadows her gathered with the church. And the church is sent out to evangelize, that the Holy Spirit works through the church and poured upon us through the sacraments of the church. So this mystery of Christ is birthed in us, first in Mary, then in the church. So yes, rejoice. It's a fulfillment of these Ephenites. Rejoice, shout for joy. God rejoices over us. Isn't that a beautiful phrase we hear in that first reading? God rejoices over us. So we see Mary setting out for this hill country. <clears throat> and I love this. You see this determination because Nazareth is you know, 90 miles north of Jerusalem. And it's a big change in elevation, right? If she went along the, the Jordan River Valley and then up you know, to Jerusalem, that's like you know, 3,000 feet change in elevation that she's got to climb. So this is, this is done with haste, we're even told. A staunch faith. You know, it echoes from her enunciation that when she says, let it be done to me according to your word, 
you know, the verb tense there, optimum genitive, <laughs> is it's like this grasping, this staunch faith. You let it be done to me according to your word that she is energetic, she's determined, she's taking hold of this, she's making it her own, she's moving forward. You know, faith does that for all of us. It gets us moving. Now, she has a perfect faith, a perfect response. Elizabeth praises her faith. Blessed are you who believed what was spoken to you. She believed the words of the angel. And then she gives that obedience of faith. She proclaims herself the handmaid of the Lord. She's going to be her servant. But for all of us, when we have faith, it moves us to give ourselves to Christ, to serve in whatever mission we have, maybe in the family, in the community, in our vocations, in various ways, but to make it our own. It's a dead faith if there's no action, if there's not enlivened by charity. And now I'm not talking about just busyness, but that we're moving forward with that faith in our prayer life, in our spiritual life, in our focus on the Lord. There's always a, a newness to the faith in our life and following the Lord. He's always doing something in us. We're growing in our understanding and insights, you know, of the mysteries of faith. And we're told here that Mary enters the house, this house of Zechariah, who disbelieved the angel Gabriel, right? He, he really questioned how this is even possibly doubted that this was going to take place. His wife was elderly. How could she possibly conceived? He was struck mute. So Mary comes with all this faith and everybody's like shouting and rejoicing. It's a great you know, antithesis or you know it's the opposite of the muteness here. We have all this joy, celebration. It's what the faith does for us. She enters the house. I love that because she comes into our lives. You know, she enters into our homes, into the edifice of our life. We see various apparitions throughout the centuries where she comes and speaks a word sometimes and, and is enlightening us how to live the gospel in that particular time or age. We see her presence especially at shrines and churches built in her, in her honor, churches dedicated to her. I think we see that spirit of Mary in, in spiritual mothers that come into our life. You know, that God and mothers truly rejoice in us. They delight in us as persons. And we have that, that sense when we go to the shrines or make the pilgrimage or open our hearts in praying the rosary. We can experience this delight of Mary in us, her care, that we can receive Mary into our heart with every rosary, you know, that she can especially enter into our life. And then as I said, she's a type of the church. The church also enters, enters into our lives, into our homes, so to speak in this extraordinary way in the sacraments, you know, that God comes in with his grace. 
comes to us in the fellowship of believers in the scriptures and the word of God. We encounter him there. Maybe just flat out missionaries. We've been exposed to people that maybe come to our parishes or lay missionaries that maybe visit us in different ways. We receive works of charity from others. It's God entering into our house, breaking into our lives. Just our friendships in the Lord, witness that we receive from others. That's God entering into our house, the church coming to us. Now that faith that's proclaimed to us that we receive in the witness from other people's lives, that's we're receiving that that truth of God, that the truth of the incarnation, the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that saving truth, that saving truth of who he is and all that he taught, all the things that he taught that we are to conform our life to. Truth is necessary for our salvation, that we conform our lives to his, to what he taught and did. Do we rejoice at that? Do we shout about that? Are we excited about that? That we have this precious revelation of God of how we are to live in a crazy fallen world that gives us another message. Do we celebrate that truth of Jesus Christ and all that it entails, all the moral demands of the gospel? Is that something we cherish, try to live, try to conform our lives to. As I mentioned as well, as the church comes to us in the sacraments, boy, is that entering into our house. The baptism, you know, the water is poured upon us. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're made new. Sin is washed away. We're made temples of the Holy Spirit, confirmation, that gift of the Spirit is further deepened in our life, strengthening us to conform our lives to Christ. We receive the Eucharist, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, incorporating us into his mystical body, joining us to him, grafting us onto the vine that is Christ, with that sap of the Holy Spirit's flowing in us, working in us, that yes, we can overcome sin, not through our own efforts alone, but through the Holy Spirit, the, gra the grace that it brings, he brings to us? I mean, can we really say on Judgment Day that, hey, it's just not possible? These commandments and things, it's just too hard. It is for unaided human nature, but we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given grace. We're made temples of the Holy Spirit. To have that kind of faith, to receive that transformation, to believe that, to walk in that new light that's completely antithetical to the world, to my fallen human nature, that's why these people are shouting in this scene, because they get that something big is happening. Finally, at the end of our life, when we're on our deathbed, we can be anointed with the sick, have the anointing of the sick, that our lives can be conformed to the suffering Christ, it can be fruitful. Wow, that's a sign of hope for us, that 
these sufferings and this veil of tears, these sickness and struggles that we have are fruitful, joined to his cross that is redemptive in our life and the lives of others, that no part of our life is wasted, that we receive the sacrament of marriage or the priesthood, enabling us to fulfill these vocations well by the grace of God. We can serve the others, our spouse, or the church, <clears throat> and the priesthood. <clears throat> You know, that, that is a cause of celebration. That is a cause of recognition of what God is doing in extraordinary ways in our life. She greets Elizabeth, Mary does. And Elizabeth talks about, you know, when, I, when she heard, you know, Mary's greeting, the infant left in my womb. Most blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. We repeat these phrases in the rosary you know, marveling at God's visitation to us through our Blessed Mother. In our relationship with Mary, you know, that, that greeting that she gives, I like to think of it as that she's entering the edifice of our lives. She's greeting us, she sees us. She sees everything in our life. She delights in her children as mothers do. They serve their children, they love them, they rejoice in them, they cherish them. Imagine Mary looking at you. Don't we crave that? We crave to be seen and loved. We crave to have someone in our life that delights in us, you know, what, who we are in our persons, not what we do. Who does that? God does it and our mothers do it, I think, in a special way. Mary is our spiritual mother. I think when St. Leopold de Mandich talked about that we have the heart of a mother in heaven. You take all the love of all the mothers in the world, Mary's love for us is greater than that. And we have that maternal heart for us as a heavenly mother, the mediatrix of all graces, who sees everything in our life, rejoices over us, and is bringing us along you know, is helping us to live this faith, to be in heaven for all eternity. She helps us in this celebration of the coming Christian mystery that Christ may truly be born in us. We may be conformed to his saving truth and may be true saints of God. 